Welcome to the Melt Hammer Podcast, episode 44. I'm Mel, I'm here with Scott and Al. How are you doing, guys? Hello. How are you doing? You're doing well, having a lovely time. It's cold and rainy out, sucks. Uh, we'll bring you some heavy metal warmth. It's almost Christmas. <laughs> Can't believe I just said that. I'm excited out loud. for Christmas. Yeah, I'm excited for Christmas too. It's going to be good. Uh, you went to Tesseract this week, didn't you, Al? I did, yeah. They How were, the hell was that? It was really good. That's the short answer. They were <laughs> headlining a sold out Shepherd's Bush in London. That's amazing. Which is a really big it? achievement. And um, I've been a fan from the very beginning. I've watched them kind of grow over time and go up and up and up the venues and really. They've got a fantastic live show now. Um, I know it always sounds a bit shit to talk about the lighting, but genuinely, like apart from the sugar, who have like this crazy times lighting show, I've not, never really seen anything like that. It was they've got to this place now where they can just come on and play a brilliant show. They've got a stack of amazing material. Everyone was singing the lyrics back. You know, I was down on the floor and everyone was just kind of putting their arms around their friends and singing and stuff and then they've just got these amazing lights as well it was just super impressive super pro that you know they've got to this place where they can sell out shepherd's bush and surely they're just going to get bigger i'd love to see them do wembley at some point but they would smash it that's it (laughs) but it's the kind of show you could see fitting there that's the thing like i know shepherd's bush to wembley is a leap in numbers but that show they could you know they could do good things in big places. I would, I would love to see that. It would be an amazing achievement, really, for essentially what started off as a properly underground movement. I know you don't really think of tech metal when you think of the underground, but that's well, what they that were the, was. They were one of the pioneers. They were the leaders of this kind of bedroom movement, especially in the UK. Just say hell, gent. Over, <laughs> shut up. Over, <laughs> I don't think that's a dirty word anyway, even though people have sort of moved away from it. Because, you know, in the States there was being bands like uh, Periphery and so on, but Tesseract really led the way in the UK and they are the biggest of that lot. And the band to move away from it the most, you know, they still have tech metal in the sound, but there's so much more than that as well. Well, that it was good. Like three I enjoyed up. it a lot. Three thumbs up from L. Um, many of you listening, hopefully all of you listening, will be aware that over the last few weeks and months we've been asking people to send in their Slayer horns where we had a massive campaign about this. It was all over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, online, email, probably MySpace, everything. Uh, We were getting everyone to send in their photos of them, throwing the horn, shouting Slayer as loudly as you can. We are very excited because today the results of all that have been revealed. Our Slayer tribute issue is now on sale. It is an absolute monster. Um, it took a long time to get all this together. Uh, our editor, Lewis, nearly had a breakdown at some point trying to get all these photos into this massive collage we put together. But we're very proud of it. Um, and it looks badass. It looks really cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, it's on sale now. As well as that very special uh, fan-led cover, you have to kind of go online to see exactly what we've done with it. But it looks cool, I promise you. Uh, we've also got a huge fan tribute poster with the cover on it. So... Um, if you can't quite find yourself on the cover, you'll definitely find yourself on the poster because it's all blown up and wicked looking. And we also have uh, packing a 100-page Slayer book made up of exclusive Hammer interviews through the years. And inside the issue itself, we've got uh, interviews with Slayer. We've got interviews with the bands talking about Slayer. We look at the legacy of Rain and Blood through people like uh, Tom, Kerry, Dave Lombardo, Rick Rubin, various people that were with them at the time. We go inside their last ever London show. We talk to Anthrax and Obituary who were supporting them at the show they got a lot to say about Slayer as well. Uh, we get uh, we ranked their top 25 songs ever, which is no easy task, so we kind of got everyone else to do it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we kind of did. <laughs> I kind of, definitely. definitely. We definitely did. did. We got a ton of the biggest names in metal to basically pick and rank the, the 25, excuse me, greatest Slayer songs ever. 
Um, what else is in there? There's so much. Oh, we get uh, Matt Heafy and uh, Alyssa White Glues from a Trivium and Arch Enemy to talk about their memories of Slayer and everything else. There's about, I don't know, two billion pages of Slayer stuff in there. It's ridiculous. If you like Slayer, you need this issue in your life. And on top of that, we uh, list through the 50 greatest albums of 2018. Yeah. Wow. The countdown this year is, I think it's the best year we've had yet in metal this century. I'm going to say that. There's just an amazing... Bloody hell. There's just a brilliant list of, <laughs> brilliant list of albums. Really? I don't know. And that's from a new metal kid. So that's, that's talking big, that's talking big <laughs> stuff. I don't know. It's good though. Maybe just in these in the tens, we'll go with that. In the in the years between two thousand and ten and two thousand and eighteen. What was your album of the year? Ghost. Oh, I don't see it. <laughs> also, obviously, Ghost for me. No one's surprised at that. Scott, what was your album in twenty eighteen? I have no idea. <laughs> you can't just throw that on me without any. Well, choice. I don't know. Did it's you not take the hours to work out? Uh, did you not have to do a list for classic rock or anything? I did. What was on that? Well, I didn't number it like here's my number one and here's. What's the point of it then? Oh, you just do you haven't gone as geeky as ours. Yeah, no, I just did mine. In, maybe you were supposed to do them in order, but I didn't. So you might have accidentally, <laughs> you might have accidentally given someone like twenty someone points that didn't deserve it. That you just threw in. If they were on the list, they deserved it. Fine, very. very I don't know. Fine. It just it's a really cool tribute um, to the year. I think to have all the fifty albums in one place, and we explore them in more detail as well. Whenever I yeah. read it, because I've read it a few times now, obviously, I get really excited about it. I just want to make a big old playlist. But what made the Metal Hammer uh, top fifty albums, and what made the number one? You have to pick up the issue to find out. We've got brand new interviews with a ton of uh, the names that are in there. Uh, the names that kind of defined your year in metal and as I said there's all that Slayer stuff um, and the cover really did come out amazingly so thank you to everybody who sent in their photos and got their mates to send in stuff and um, it just looks awesome and I promise if you sent in the photo you're on there somewhere so you're just going to have to have a little look see if you can find the uh, babies dogs and cats as well I know there's so many heavy metal babies and cats and dogs and heavy metal grannies and all sorts there's also a couple of people from bands that sent in their photos to us as well so see if you can spot them out it's like the best game of Where's Wally ever is there a little guide somewhere to where the famous people are um, we could do one <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we thought it would be fun to let people pick that and yeah, did not think idea. of that at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are a few scattered out though a um, couple of courts painty looking ones that's the only that's the only hint I'll give but it's all good fun go pick up now it's awesome and it comes with all that stuff so yeah uh, also what a busy week the second pilot of the all new Mount Hammer TV show is live it is live it's got Nurgle in it as well that's pretty cool isn't it yeah, I mean, Nogal's just a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sold. Nothing more needs to be said. Uh, I make a really terrible joke about Behemoth as well, so it's worth watching just for that. Oh, yeah. Love to see your reaction. An absolutely awful joke. Merlin's reaction is oh, very dear. But there's loads of other stuff in it. Uh, we do another unboxing, um, we review some new bands, we talk about a ton of stuff. It's very, very cool. And yeah, the plan is that there'll be a lot more coming from that very, very soon. So get onto metalhammer.com right now and check out. Uh, Metal Hammer TV show pilots one and two. Oh, I'm tired now. What's you been going on? Either. You <laughs> take a little rest, man. Thank you. I Tell me what's been going on in the world of metal. Self, son. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Motley Crue's The Dirt movie has got a release date. It's going to be coming out on March the 22nd. Well, this is interesting, I think, because <laughs> I feel like... How's <clears throat> the best way to put this? I feel like the world in which The Dirt, certainly the book and probably the film was conceived, was a slightly different world to the world we're in now. Yeah. And I'm interested to know 
I mean, what the film's going to be like, if it's going to reflect the tone of the book, if it's going to take on a different tone because of everything that's going on. Because if, if anyone's read The Dirt, firstly, I think you should. And secondly, it's, it's an eye-opener, I guess. Yeah. So. <laughs> Looking at me expectantly. Yeah. Well, no, I was just wondering what, what did you I thought. Think, no, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's weird because, in a way, I think the time actually was the time was totally different in some ways. But also, you know, we'd come through a whole load of political correctness as well, and the eighties and so on. So it wasn't like, you know, back back when the book came out, which I can't even tell you when it was published. The nineties, I guess. I think the early two thousands. Oh, was I think? Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like when it came out, people thought, you know, treating women badly was okay, and then suddenly we've all realised that actually you yeah, should yeah. treat women with, with respect. But certainly, yeah, there's much more, with social media and stuff, there's much more opportunity to condemn that kind of behaviour. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the stuff that's in the book is just fucking outrageous, you know, they were fucking... But also, like, you know? proudly outrageous. Yeah, you completely. Know? And, I, and I, you know, I hold my hands up now, I read it as a 13-year-old who'd kind of just started to find out about that era of music, and I was like, what, this sounds, this is fucking crazy, oh this my God, I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, just found out about girls. <laughs> no, I hadn't found out about them yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and, it, and, it, and, and, and I, in a weird way, it, it pushed me onto their music, not in the sense that I thought it, added anything to the music but you could really hear all this madness and excess and ridiculousness in the songs that they were writing at the yeah, time yeah you see I never liked Molly Crew still don't I always thought they were shit and to me the dirt is the best thing they ever did you know oh, easily well. and I think it you know as a and it's a it's a kind of game of two halves isn't it it's actually quite touching by the end mm-hmm. I've got mixed feelings about it because I know a couple of people who are actually sort of part of the story and I know the truth behind some of the story well their truth their version of what happened actually and it's not the same as what's in the book yeah that's so, the other thing with autobiographies you're always gonna you're, always, you're only getting one part or in this yeah. case four people's take on it yeah but I think it's a it's a fantastic book and really what I'm I hope they don't bottle it and make a sanitised slightly more friendly version for the age of Twitter I yeah. think that'll be really disappointing I want to see them as marauding uh, predatory thugs you know that they were mm. and if, if it's anything other than that if they're trying to make them in a night, Mr Nice Guy I think that'll be really disappointing yeah it'll be interesting to see if they've decided to reframe it at all because they're, they're essentially the protagonists of their own story but they can also be the antagonists of their own story and I don't think there's anything uh, kind of misshapen about that them trying to do that well, I've heard a rumour that there's a, there's a secondary character in the book who's not in the band and that the film's told through his eyes. Oh, okay. So you, you see it more from a more detached perspective, I suppose. That'd be interesting. Have you read it, Al? No, I've read Nikki Six's The Heroin Diaries. Oh, okay. Um, I've never yeah, there's a bit of that in the book as well. When you, um, someone yeah. very kindly lent me the book and it just sat on my bookshelf for years and years and years, um, which is a terrible thing to have happened. Well, I'll be fascinated... To, uh, but I know the main hear the book seen the first time um, through an adult woman and not a teenage boy. <laughs> I know the main stories, though. I think everyone knows the main stories, and obviously you've come across them when I've been researching Motley Crue in the past. So I feel like when I read it, I probably will know most of it already. It, it is, yeah, uh, um, it, yeah, I imagine so. But, but the, the notorious crazy. ones are all over the internet and other books and other. Do you know the phone story? Yes. Okay, cool. So that's because I think that's what it opens on, isn't it? I think. 
when they call a phone, they call someone, they basically use a phone in an unseemly way and then use the phone while it's being used in an unseemly way. It's crazy. To call the girl's mum. Yes, to call the girl. Yes, it is to call the girl's mum, yeah. So there we go. <laughs> I have no idea what this film is going to look like. I'm genuinely fascinated. But then but, um, I guess, like, I don't know, is it worth mentioning the um, Asking Alexandra and Andy Biersack film? What was that one called? That they've got the TV show based on. American. No, something to do with Satan, wasn't it? American Satan. Yeah, American Satan. Yeah, because that was in the tradition of the dirt. Um, they very much made a sort of. The film is very much kind of here's a band on tour. There's a very confusing plot, but it's essentially kind of them getting off with lots of girls and doing lots of Motley Crue style things. And there's a TV show coming of that now as well. So it's kind of. there is There are people doing a contemporary version of it as well. So it's not kind of that sort of storytelling I guess is still mm. around now and being done now even despite the things we discussed so what did you maybe think there was the an film, outside huh? for it then <laughs> I thought it was shit <laughs> <laughs> the, what, the biggest kicking I've ever seen L give in a review it was review so shit <laughs> it was like I can't I don't want to ruin it in case people want to watch it you should don't want to ruin it don't want to ruin it but people might want to watch it and see how shit no it spoilers. is but yeah. the story is so stupid it's like the most stupid story that makes absolutely no sense. It's like no one edited that script. No one told them they didn't make any sense. And then on top of that, there's loads of like bullshit women stuff as well, where they're just kind of shitty to women. And you can kind of go, well, it's in the context of the story and that's the band and that's what they're doing. But it's also, I don't know, I think the way that they shot it really, really, really glorified it like when they've basically just like taken this girl's virginity and then they show her like naked thigh and there's bloods running down it and stuff and you're like it's just kind of it's just kind of gross like (laughs) I don't know maybe that's just me but anyway it makes no sense whatsoever so I think glorifying it that's the key isn't it you know I think there's bands out there right now acting exactly the same as Motley Crue did yeah without a shadow of a doubt you know and so you know, Motley Crue will have had well, own this film, as far as I know. They'll have signed over the rights and all that stuff. So they'll have say in it. So it's bound to be... It's bound to portray them as nice guys. You know? Reckon. Whereas, whereas really, you know... What would be really interesting would be to see a band uh, acting the way they do in real life. So you're totally distracted me with your... Uh, me and Aaron trying to work out which water is ours. I think you're going to red one. I'm sure I brought that in. I thought you put yours over there. No, what are we going to do? I've ruined it. But yes, uh, I agree. It's it's still happening now. I don't think I don't I don't even think it's a thought. We definitely don't live in the same era where it's glorified from all corners. People. But, but that means it's hidden though. It's not glorified, so they hide it instead. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's, that's you're kidding yourself if we think it's it's over. It's 100 percent still happening. I think yeah. that's a really important point actually. But I think like. I don't know, a lot of the stuff, aside from American set not making any sense, a lot of it was kind of actively kind of grim. It was, yeah, sort of glorifying the fact that they basically just like had really rough sex with this girl and taken her virginity and then blood was going down her legs and she was like upset about it. And it's kind of like, that's not, not that it should be, not, not that things should be nice to watch because, you know, not everything's going to be nice all the time, but it was also a bit like on the side of the band, I guess. Yeah, you don't watch button pushing horror There was no like, like you know, there was no kind of other side of anything. It was just, here's a two-dimensional character who's like, had this horrendous experience. Well, 
Don't I watch don't that. But do read, the, do read the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch that film. Do read the dirt in preparation for the... For the um, I, I, I would, actually, I, if there are any listeners that haven't, haven't read the dirt, I'll be genuinely interested if people go and read it now and let us know what they think about it. Because I do, I, I'm interested to know if you, people would see it differently now. I don't I'd know. be interested if someone's watched an American saying that thinks it's really good. Ben Bruce, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, this is interesting. Bring Me the Horizon are headlining All Points East. So this is a new festival based in East London, I think. It started last year, I believe. Um, and if you look at the other bands headlining this year, across the other days, you've got Chemical Brothers, Bon Iver, <coughs> excuse me, Christine and the Queens, and then you've got Bring Me the Horizon. And on the Bring Me the Horizon day, you've got Idols, Run the Jewels, Nothing But Thieves, Scarlords, and Yanaka. So I find this really interesting because everyone's been saying for years, when are Bring Me the Horizon going to get time the headline download? When are they get to do Reading? And what they're doing instead is a, a, essentially a brand new festival where their peers, it would seem, are pretty far removed from rock and metal bands. So I guess the question is, what's this mean for Brumby? Is this them f- finally stepping out of the, the rock and metal I'm bubble? completely unsurprised because they've just been I'm going this way yeah. for ages. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the sound's got more and more commercial. They've got Grimes guesting on the new record. They are sort of they always position themselves within the zeitgeist, you know, at the moment all the promo shots are 90s and all the long sleeves are very 90s and they kind of go with the trends these days. So. Fully down with the 90s, making a comeback, by the way, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> some of it's good, some of it's not. But yeah, it's, I think they always just go with what's popular and Ollie's obviously got a good eye for that and with his own clothing business, he's always done that and, you know, done all those brand extensions mm. with other cool brands or like retro stuff with retro games and you know they know what's up and I think this is kind of just an extension of that if you can go after another bit of the audience why not I am quietly confident um, it does say on the poster for this Brugby day that there are other bands to be announced and I'm quietly confident there's going to be some other heavy bands being announced I think because you have insider knowledge well, I, I, I don't know. Just looking at, looking at the way other festivals are shaping up and the spaces for bands in, uh, you know, there's a lot of bands that are going to be around next year that don't seem to have anything to do yet is what I'm getting at. And I think some of those will end up at this. But we've um, also talked about kind of fluidity of genres now. And, you know, going to see bands like Scarlord, their warm-up DJ, Jackie P., he was playing all kinds of stuff, you know, like ACDC. So Scarlet is like a trap metal artist yeah, yeah, yeah. for people who haven't heard of. He was playing like ACDC, Post Malone, pop music, metal music. It's like there was just all different kinds of things and people going to watch Scarlet were just kind of quite happy to just absorb all this music and just have a good time. So I think it kind of reflects that as well. You know, if you're a fan of Scarlet and you go to that festival probably going to go and watch Bring Me and Chemical Brothers and well maybe not Chemical Brothers because they'd be like who well, are they're, they're, they're my dad's day. music no. <laughs> but you know I think people are open to that kind of mixing more now I, I think so as well and that's kind of what I'm getting at with the heavier bands thing because I think if Bring Me do put a well I don't know if they're behind the curation of the bill probably not so much but if a couple of heavier bands do get added to that then all of a sudden you'll have this really mad varied lineup for one day of a festival and I think that's really interesting because like you said I do think that's where I certainly think that's where listening habits are going now I think outside of real core rock and other genre festivals I think we are going to see lineups. I mean you already see it in the US like there's loads of like Riot Fest and stuff booked like Jimmy Cliff or something one year and Gwen Stefani alongside 
I don't know, the distillers and rancid. Um, I, t- I think we're going to see more and more merging of styles and scenes and genres across festivals. Um, I like that. I don't know if it's a good thing for the for the scene though. It's funny, I think, because Metal Hammer years ago would put My Chemical Romance on the cover yep. or Pearl first, Jam first or UK something like that. On the cover of Where, really? Yeah. And industrial brands and you know grunge bands and that that sort of thing. And that seems like almost impossible to imagine. I mean, you're the editor. Are we entering into a period where that kind of variety could happen again? Oh, it's, it's weird, isn't it? I feel like with Metal Hammer, we can't, I mean, someone asked me a few years ago, um, about three years ago, would I ever put the Prodigy on the cover of Metal Hammer? Because they're one of my favourite bands and Metalheads love them and stuff. And I kind of feel like, I don't know if you would now, because I just feel like on one side of stuff, everything's merging and becoming this big blob of <laughs> music, yeah. which is cool. But on the other side, I think you want, you, you don't want to be too. Um, defensive but you want to kind of protect what it is about your world and your genre and your scene that makes it great and I think with Metal Hammer I think if we I'm always down to diversify but I think if we diluted the message of what happens about too much you probably you probably risk uh, upending stuff a little bit I kind of look at like what Bloodstock's doing is a good measuring stick for that really you know they they were a metal 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 festival yeah. horns up dragons fire there and then the, since then we've seen like Hatebreed come in and we've seen Machine Head come in and Lamb of God come in and Skin Dreads come in and it's funny because when I felt like there was more of a kickoff for Lamb of God headlining than there was a few years later when Skin Dread played because by the time Skin Dread got there people kind of expected to see it at Bloodstock yeah, because yeah. they used to a bit of a wild card and something a bit different and I think that's where Hammer can do stuff you know we can have Architects on the cover and we can have Slayer on the cover and we do this this month, but um, I don't know if we'll be sticking Christina McQueen's on the cover anytime soon. <laughs> as wicked as she is, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, interesting. And in further, um, I nearly said Hellfest news. I ruined it. Festival news. Fuck's sake. It's fine. Just just it's read like the headline. It's like you open the door of an advent calendar before I've had a chance to do it. I just wait until the end and then just smash them all. Alright, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Notfest Times Hellfest is a thing. This is crazy. So Notfest basically taking over the day before Hellfest, I think. Before it actually starts with its three days. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be obviously Slipknot, plus Rob Zombie, Sabaton, Amonomarth, Behemoth and more. That's wild. Festivals... Coming together. Festival within a festival. So Notfest have now teamed up with Ozfest and they teamed up with Hellfest. Uh, can't they just get their own fucking festival together? This <laughs> is crazy though, isn't it? Brilliant. I think it's the You know, a lot of festivals sometimes, without naming names, feel like the same thing every year. You know, and, and obviously that's a criticism aimed at festivals that it's just a revolving cast of uh, headliner bands and all sure. that stuff. To make it an actual event and throw a surprise party and all that sort of stuff. That's what they should be doing, I think. You know, so it's it's really cool. It's weird though, because this is happening, like Al said, on the the day before. Because they've announced the Hellfest lineup. Yeah. Three days, all announced, massive, massive bill, and now they've just announced this other thing that's happening the day before. So, presumably, this is going to be a whole new thing that people have to buy tickets for again. I guess. I have no idea. I wouldn't like to say. It's weird. Um, um, and I wonder, I wonder if there's going to be anything different apart from it. Looks like. 
all your days at Hellfest have got a ton of stages, right? Mm. Not first day. At the moment, it looks like it's just kind of a main stage type thing. I don't know if there's a second one as well. And they yeah, well, there's, there's a big bands on there. They've got Rob Zombie, Massive Sabaton. Bands. I mean, bands like Sabaton and Amon Amarth are massive in Europe. They're pretty big over here, but they, they pull really big numbers over there. Behemoth are on there. I think Powerwolf are on there. Um, so, yeah, it's a proper lineup, but it's interesting to see how that's going to sit within Hellfest and... What's it going to mean? Are they going to like open half the site? Are they going to... Because when Slipknot do not first, they normally have their own exhibitions and like uh, weird stuff up around the site and all that kind of thing. Are they going to do all that? I don't know. Uh, that's what I want to know. I want to know if you're going to be able to go and see the Knot Museum and things, if it's going to be like a... Because that's what you think when you think Knot first. You think curated by them plus a bunch of Slipknot stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was going to Knotfest, I'd want to see Slipknot things. Yeah, that's the other thing. Now, Knotfest has been going for a few years, and there's a certain level of expectation around it. So I guess it's weird. It's not. It's almost like Slipknot playing is cool, but people are excited to see Knotfest, and at Hellfest as well, which is, I would say, as big as it is, it's still one of the more kind of traditionally metal vibe festivals out there. Even though they've got like ZZ Top play this year, but yeah, fine. who knows? Who knows? We will see. Bring it to, Bring England. It to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We want not first. Um, we could do some reader questions now. www.facebook.com forward slash Mount Hammer Readers. Stop well looking at me as I say it. Stop looking at me as I say it. I'm I just up for a week. to find Facebook. Well, no, it's Because no, it's, it's a slight, like, it's aside. A just Google Mount Hammer Readers then. No, they can't say the link most times, so yeah, we make him say I haven't missed up for ages. Leave me alone. Should I do a question? Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Burnham asks what's the best Christmas song brackets including all metal variations and covers close brackets <laughs> <laughs> yeah you go first you go first well I know I mean Fairytale New York's obviously oh, I hate that song despite it's problematic middle line it's um, not, I don't hate it for that I just find it boring <laughs> well that's because everyone's there's this, there's this meme on, it, on Twitter at the moment where everyone's like replacing the F words with these other variations of I just find it a really boring song um, sorry sorry Scott oh, I saw the Pogues play it <laughs> on in December not Christmas Eve or anything but in December in Glasgow yeah, and Kirsten Call was still that. alive and oh, she came yeah. on stage and sang with them and waltzed with Shane and snow came from the roof oh that's, that's so amazing. but how was that Oh fucked! Yeah, completely. It's always fucked. Standing. That's a good start. And Joe Strummer came on afterwards and played London Calling, and I thought the law was amazing. What? Yes. What just? What? Yeah, he, he toured with them for a bit. Oh man, that's all right, isn't it? Well, I we saw we went to see the Muppets Christmas Carol singing on a couple <laughs> yeah, of years ago, did, didn't we? Yeah, that was great. just as good and festive. Just as good. And a mince pie and mulled wine. I pity you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, generation. that is the classic. I've got to say that um, I was going to say for a modern choice, but it's about fifteen years old now. But the darkness, Christmas time, don't know the bells yeah. end, massive tune. Anything else? Shall I do my favourite one? Yeah, please do. It's Wizards in Winter by the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Really? What? <laughs> do you not remember? Wow. Do you remember when there was that YouTube video and? Someone had like linked up their house Christmas lights to Wizards in Winter. They've done so many of those now, I can't remember that. No, but this was like the original one, and it's the most festive song. And I was listening to it last night when I was making myself some food, feeling Christmassy. Good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a that's a fair choice. Stop making your face at me. Listen to it. It's very festive. Um, Can I ask this question? Because I'm never going to be able to answer it. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Someone called Sisonator asks, have Billy Tomorrow and Architects redefined what metal needs to sound like? I don't know if metal needs to sound like anything, does it? No. It sounds like how it sounds. And it I evolves. think Architects did a really good job with Lost Forever, Lost Together. That was a, I felt like that was a real jump up in terms of what modern metal sounds like. And I think yeah. they did set a template for that to an extent because a few bands have tried to copy that sort of sound that they've carried on. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Samora did a really good job of just picking up metalcore and running with it. And I think they've just nailed the formula of writing a good metalcore song it's very catchy that you can throw down to your life. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's just one of those things, isn't it? Like, what is metal? What counts as metal? What comes under the under, under the umbrella of metal? Um, but in terms of like heavy music, I think you'll find few bands that definitely feel like they embody the sound of where heavy music is at now, um, like Architects do. But at the same time. You know, that's obviously taking it on a big stage because they're doing Wembley now, but I look at a band like Behemoth and what they're doing with Extreme Metal and I kind of think the same thing. You know, I think that's a good indication of what metal, quote-unquote, needs to sound like in in 2018. Um, I was going to say Ghost as well, but then what's got to shout? <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of what metal can be and what you can kind of, I guess, get away with while still being under the guise of a metal band, you know, bands like Ghost are doing that, bands like Carpenter Brute are doing that. Those bands don't really... I mean, Ghost still do some of their songs, but those bands don't really play metal as we know metal, but they still come under the banner of of what metal is, I think. Yeah, and that goes into what we were saying earlier about diversifying and the rest of it. I agree with you. It's that the key phrase there was what you can get away with. You know, like, and some people will turn around to, about Ghost or Carpenter Brew and just be like, fuck them, they're not real metal, but they are using heavy elements from heavy music and just pushing them in a different direction. And I'm a fan of that because you don't want to get bored, do you? No, you don't. No, you bloody don't. Um, ben Wilmer asks, have you ever watched a drum, guitar or bass solo where after up to a minute you haven't thought, good time for a piss break? No. <laughs> no. I think I've done mine before. I know all think it's awful, but I went to see Dream Theater and went Oh, come on. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> come on. 2009 or something and they did or maybe it was a bit later I don't remember and it was like them and Opeth and another band did like a drum so solo so like two songs no it was because there were like three drum kits on the stage and they were all soloing and I was like well that's quite impressive yeah I guess so so good for you it wasn't, it wasn't just like watching a person do a solo it was like three people doing it um, I went to um, do you remember when Al Gore did Live Earth as opposed to Live like after Live the Live Aid uh, anniversary one happens he did Live Earth at Wembley and I went to that and it was a really good lineup. I had Madonna Three Fighters Metallica Chili's Beastie Boys played um, Genesis played um, and uh, at the start of it they had I think it was like Lars the drummer from Chili's his name I've forgotten which is bad and oh, no. um, Dave Grohl and Phil Collins all come out to a big jump solo together that was interesting <laughs> Was Manbear I wouldn't say it was good, but it was interesting. Manbear Pig. Yeah, he's was back. He there? No, he was not. But it was in the name of Global Warming, which I think is what Manbear Pig was based on. That's what it stands for. Yeah. Um, but even that wasn't that good, so... I think it, <laughs> it depends if you're drinking or if you're, like... I used to work for guitar magazines and stuff in a bass magazine years ago, and then I used to go see these terribly worldly musicians soloing endlessly and stroke my chin for work and think how amazing it was <laughs> but 
if I'm lagged up and at a gig and really enjoying it, yeah, you know, I can't be harsh to that. You know, I, I mean, I it's can't. different. Uh, I would say though that I do prefer a drum solo to all the other solos. Just think they're more impressive. I yeah. get really bored in a guitar solo. Sorry, yeah, maybe that's just my preference. I agree with you. There's something just more primal about a drum solo. I think it just it just feels like pure power and energy. Um, whereas a guitar solo never doesn't feel like someone just well I think it does sometimes and I will refer you to the greatest guitar solo of all time Dire Straits Sultans of Swing the live version now we're getting serious serious. (laughs) you can seriously that's amazing you should go to Okay. Because it builds and builds and builds, and it feels like it's structured, and it changes it, and it changes it, and changes it so many times that it's amazing. I'm not a Dark Straits fan, let me tell you. But <laughs> I used to work in guitar, and we used to play it for a laugh, taking the piss out of it, and eventually we were like, "Oh my god, this is the best guitar solo <laughs> of all time." Okay, you've got homework now. <laughs> check out that Dark Straits track. Uh, I, I always think whenever we get these kind of questions, I always just go back to Zach Wild, who has written some of the best metal songs ever like especially with Ozzy he's done some great stuff with um, Black Label Society as well and any time I've gone to see him and he uh, like especially if he's like I don't know say like Black Label Society like fourth or third from top on the main stage at download and so they got about 40 minutes to 50 minutes and like 20 to 25 minutes of that is taken up with solos and I'm just like no you, you, I know you can do this but you've also written some really good songs that I want to hear you play like, Overlord yeah, tune, massive tune. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I can't be doing solo. Neither can I. Yeah. Not got attention span for me. Speaking of excessive length, for this next question, <laughs> Joe Heaton asks, "What recent albums have suffered due to excessive length?" Got one really obvious answer. For this. <clears throat> the Ghost yeah, album. Is that what you're going to say? No, no. Is that what you're going to say? No. I know what you're going to say. Some Machine- shit tracks. <laughs> you're going to say Machine Head's Catharsis. No. We spoke but that's about a really a good point times. as well. Yeah. I was going to say Hardwired by Metallica. Oh, right, yeah. Should have been one disc. Well. Yeah. Should have been one disc and it would have been an all-time great Metallica, I think. But there's too much stuff on that. I think that the Book of Souls by Maiden could have probably lost a couple of tracks as well. I can't believe you just said that. I know, I'm I know, wearing my Maiden t-shirt. I know how much you love Maiden. I know. If I said that, that would have been... The thing is that when I listen to it, I do think there's no one track on here I don't like. I just think it's... I don't know. Maybe it's a structural thing, I'm not sure. But it, it felt like it could have been... Could have maybe lost... I, I'm not that bothered about the one about Robin Williams. Tears of a Clown, that kind of gone. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm not too sure about that one. Do you yeah. want to do the last question, Scott? Yeah, I'll read out the last question. Um, it says, asks Michael Perry, how much does a bad production job affect your enjoyment of an album? I gave the latest at the Gates album another try the other day, but I gave up halfway through because it just sounds like shit. <laughs> That's savage. Yeah. Um, I like that I record. Think that, yeah, I didn't think that about it. I, guess I like that record, but there is an aspect to it where it does sound a bit like it was recorded in a pit. I get what he means. Mm. But I think it's got some really cool classic at the Gatesy stuff on it. Death Metal's a funny one because... Um, I know, for instance, people like uh, Hammerwriter Don Dawson really like death metal when it sounds like primal and guttural and like it was recorded in a dungeon. I like death metal when it sounds absolutely massive. And clean and sounds yeah. yeah. I don't know if clean's quite the right word, but just like big, like stadium-sized riffs, like um, how the Black Dahlia murder sound. I like that sound on death metal albums. And I think Mellow Death is a particularly good example of that because obviously it's more melodic, you want to pick those hooks out. Uh, in terms of crap production yeah I think it can 
Remember that to Father album that just sounded like bam. Oh yeah, was that the last one or something? That was their last one, I think. Yeah. But were the songs good? Yeah, yeah the songs were good. So but it, were, it sounded yeah. like it sounded like Stitch was in another room. It was really weird. Um, I struggle with black gay stuff, which is really? Luke's stuff that he loves. Yeah, because what's well, the same with black metal as well? It's having like the guitars up and the vocals down, and I like the vocals to be up. And after a while, right, like, it just mean, yeah. grates on me because you've got that high pitched guitar sound, and you sort of my brain is like trying to find the vocal, and it's like underneath the guitars, and it just I don't know. It's not like my favourite sound, really, to be honest. Mm. I did just mention Metallica about uh, Hardwired being too long. I do still think their production could be better, um, and I would genuinely be interested to. I mean, everyone talks about Saint Anger, but I genuinely think the sound, the songs on Saint Anger. Are, you know, passable at best most of the times, but Death Magnetic is an album I would love to hear with a proper, full-on, decent... Like, if Andy Sneak could go and remix that Death Magnetic album, I'd love to hear that. I think that could be great. So now it was interesting. I remember going to hear it at a press uh, listening session thing, and people couldn't get past the production, couldn't get past the... Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, the song's obviously good anyway, but the snare drum was just the thing. That yeah, as soon as you hear it... It sounded like a mistake. Yeah. You know, everybody was totally distracted and thinking, what? Oh, this is just a madness. Yeah, that is true. It, it, and you just don't know, really, because I, I, I find that album unlistenable still, and a lot of it does still come down to that. I, I think the songs... I think the songs... Like, I like the idea of the songs more than how they came out. Like, I like the fact they just went, fuck it, and got into a studio and just made this pissed-off, like, archaic, kind of spiritually quite punk record. Um, but it didn't quite come off. And, yeah, it just sounds like he's thwacking tubs, which isn't very good, is it? Oh well. We can't end on a downer. Well, they're still one of the greatest bands of all time and I'm very excited about them playing with Ghost next year and what will be the tour of twenty nineteen. Okay, that's fair. He faked that. I did not, I bought a ticket for it. I'm gonna Prague. I'm gonna have to go and listen to Wizards in Winter to cheer myself up. Everyone should listen to that. I'm gonna listen to Dire Straits. (laughs) (laughs) Someone mash up Dire Straits and Wizards in Winter. No. (laughs) No way. Oh god. Uh, thanks for listening everybody don't forget to go and pick up that Slayer issue if you love Slayer on any level whatsoever go pick it up it's mental that Slayer is splitting up isn't it like how's that even a thing a world without Slayer I'll take your silence as sadness (laughs) (laughs) well I'm sad anyway the London show was wicked and I'm I'm sure that the uh, the the download show excuse me will be really really bloody good as well go pick up now console loads of stuff more Slayer than you can possibly slay ever um, don't forget to check out the Metal Hammer <laughs> Pilot Show, the TV show as well. And uh, if you listen to this on iTunes and Acast, give us a rating because it means we go up the ranks and more people listen to us, which is always good. We'll be back next week. Next week. I'm off to see Perfect Circle tonight. Oh, I thought you were going to you're off next week. It's like, oh. <laughs> Perfect Circle, well, okay. At Wembley. Yeah. Let's see if they just do the exact same show again as they did already. I don't mind so. if they do. I already said I cried on it, so we'll see. Well, you can hear Elle's review of that, Tears and All, next week. <laughs> Uh, we'll be there then thanks for listening (laughs) I don't know why it took me so long to say goodbye Bye, bye everyone